Welcome back to the QEH podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, parents and pupils at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the QEH community, asking them questions and spending time understanding them and more about the school. In this episode, we speak to Rob Layton in his role as designated safeguarding lead, and we learn why happiness is so important in school life, what a boy joining the junior school can expect, and what sets the QEH junior school apart from other schools. So join us as we explore the world of QEH through the eyes of Rob Layton. Rob, thank you for being here and welcome to the QEH podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you very much, Simon. It's nice to see you. Um, yes, I'm very well, thank you. I'm uh, having a, a usual Thursday afternoon with plenty going on. I'm sure you can, you, you might be able to hear in the background, there's plenty of boys running around <laughs> and, uh, and doing what they do in school, which is... Uh, Lots of happy noises. And tell me whereabouts in school you are right now. Which sort of area of the school building are you in? Well, I have a, uh, an office uh, that's that's um, between the two parts of the school. We've got um, a junior school and a, and a senior school. And I'm um, my office is sort of halfway between, which is really rather appropriate. because It, re- it reflects part of my role in the school, which is... Um, mm-hmm. uh, part of it is a, a bit of a go-between between the, uh, the junior and the senior school. So... Um, it is. It's right that it's it's sort of situated in a, in a in a corridor, which which both parts of the school will go past. Rob, I'm really happy that you're here on this episode because I'm looking forward to talking to you about life at the junior school in particular. But before we do that, can you just tell me a little bit about your own education and what your own experience of school was? Yes, I was I was brought up in Somerset. Uh, I grew up in Taunton. Went to went to Taunton School. Okay. And I was uh, I was there from the age of seven all the way through and I have happy memories of school I've always felt I was I was very lucky and I think as an adult I look back on it still thinking how lucky I was it's probably something that's influenced why I became a teacher to be honest it's the uh, the happy memories of prep school in, in what was a market town and then going on to a to a senior school I was fortunate that I lived a stone's throw from school and whilst there were occasions when I when I boarded at the school. Most of the time, I was living at home with my with my parents, but it was literally five minutes from school. Gosh, right. So I, I grew up being able to pop into school when I wanted. Uh, I think probably the usual thing is those that live nearest are always latest. So I, there were times when I was leaving leaving home when the when the bell had already gone. Uh, now I very very happy happy memories of that. From memory, speaking to Rupert, your head, he had a very similar story to tell about. Moncton Coombe, is that right? Uh, yes, I, I actually, it's interesting because yes, he said I think that he lived he lived opposite and was able mm. to uh, to just, uh, but but I think he boarded as well. He he spent a lot of time as a boarder. He did. That's right. Yeah. 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 Is is that a job requirement then for working at QEH? <laughs> uh, no, it's not. <laughs> no, I've I've I think I, I was very lucky in that in that my family were my father didn't didn't have to go out to work. And therefore, I had a family where I was able to always have my parents around, um, mm. and they they made pretty sure that I had a had a pretty good childhood. Uh, we lived in the countryside, and I was able to to get out there and and, and enjoy it. Mm. And uh, I was able to appreciate the influence of my of both my parents most of the time, which was which was very good. So, Rob, you're the designated safeguarding lead for the lower school, I believe. Tell me what that actually means, though. Well, we have a junior school and a senior school, and as I've I've referred to, is I'm sort of halfway between. What I what I what I do is the role of safeguarding has has grown hugely in the last few years, quite rightly so. 
but my role is that I, I am coordinating the safeguarding from when the boys come in in the junior school uh, in year three, and I stay the hub of the wheel, as it were, until mm. they've gone through uh, to year eight, which is the first into the second year of the senior school. The role is to be somebody who is who has had the, the appropriate training, but also the awareness to identify when there are safeguarding issues and for members of staff to be able to come and talk to me if they are concerned and to be able to follow up on the correct channels if we if we feel we've got something that really needs to be to be followed up and safeguarding can cover so many so many things and when i first got into it it was it was a really a great eye opener but but what i what i'm doing is i'm i'm providing uh, a center for for the for the members of staff and the boys to come to to talk about any worries they have. Now, you say that it can cover so many things. Can you give us some examples of what some of those things might be? I'm just thinking that that some people might think that whatever experience they have right now might not sort of qualify for coming and speaking to a safeguarding lead. That's a very good point. Safeguarding covers covers a wide variety of things. We can have situations in the lives of the children where something is going wrong it could be family based it could be home based sadly it's getting more and more internet based we live in a world where there are situations that individuals put children in which are harming them or could harm them so it could be that it's of a physical nature you could have uh, physical abuse you can have neglect you may have people online trying to influence children in a negative way trying to draw them in to uh, groom them it can be the way other children treat them so we have such things as peer-on-peer abuse and all of those areas we are we are open to listening to the children to make sure we give them a route to keep them safe as we can and a good job too now let's take a look at the junior school for a moment what sets the junior school apart from other schools well that's, that's a great question it's an it's an interesting one in that, that I've worked in a number of schools in my life and I've been very lucky that a lot of them seem to have, in fact all of those that I've worked in have had a very positive positive attitude. But one of the great things about the junior school is this great happiness that seems to, to run through the school and a sharing of, the boys sharing things. If we look at the playground as a great example, Okay. It's a school where uh, the boys from year six will play with year five, would play mm. with year four, would play with year three. And I'd not come across that before, and I thought, that's a, that's a, real, a real strength to see these boys have, have, have settled in and become part of the same team. Now, obviously, during the COVID situation, that's, that's had to stop. But that is one of the things that I see as a really positive thing. From another angle, we'd say, well, actually, we offer a very high uh, standard of education. But that standard of education is based upon strong pastoral uh, foundations. So the first thing we're looking for is to have a happy school. And if we've got boys coming into the school who are happy and keen to keen to learn, then that learning takes place very well. And I think it is that happiness that that uh, is the foundation of it. So tell me more about this pastoral learning and why you think happiness is so important in a school. I mean, clearly happiness is important, but 
how does that help the children in their development in in their everyday lives as they grow into young men when they're learning we go we go back to to actually the, their needs i mean i don't want to talk about maslow's hierarchy of needs but we've got to have certain things met before we're going to learn and those crucial elements include this feeling of self-confidence and happiness and knowing that, that they have value it's not something that comes easily uh, learning is not something that comes easily if these aren't being met now these children are coming into school where they are welcomed into a small family school with about a hundred children in the junior school and they become part of that and that that family feeling uh, pervades everything now if you can get the children to feel that they are a valued member of the community mm -hmm. we listen to them they can always talk to us we are encouraging them to share their ideas their worries their positive sides mm -hmm. once they've got that then the learning happens in a far more positive and and, and uh, easier way than if they are worrying about their own needs first one of the things that I, I was I was very conscious of when I when I came here was the need to try and keep an eye on how they were the boys were in their their mental uh, capacity mm -hmm. their, their confidence and uh, thinking about themselves and one of the things we've we've taken on is uh, something called AS tracking which is a uh, affective social tracking which keep, it, it, it really really describes the journey that the children are on the boys are on is like driving down a road and okay. in that road there might be obstacles and what it helps to do is to to show us how the boys are coping steering around those obstacles for example their self-confidence their feeling about themselves their feeling about their place in society and if they are about to have a have a crash i mean it's 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 highlighting things that are possibly in their way and some mm. boys steer around it perfectly happily and they continue mm. but those where things aren't going quite right can sometimes have that accident and it helps us to as as with the with the tutor system we've got we can highlight these issues that a boy might be having and mm -hmm. we can say actually we need to put things in place to just try and gently steer them around it and they're simple things quite often we can just put give them a little bit more responsibility here make sure we're listening to them a bit more there uh, and that just helps to, to, to guide them through. Okay, Rob, let's talk about your background a little bit. How did you get into teaching right back in the day? When I left school, I, I, was, I was, like many, uh, unsure about which direction I was going to go. Um, I've always had all sorts of ideas of what I'd like to do. I was very lucky. I, did a, I took a gap year before I went to university. And I ended up uh, working in a, in a school in, in Somerset as, a, as what was called a gapper in those days. And I, mm. I was working in a boarding house and, and helping run sports and bits and pieces. And then one year turned into two. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm really rather enjoying this. <laughs> so I thought, right, well, let's, let's go off to, off to university and get, get, uh, get my degree. So that's what I did. And I, so I got my teaching degree. And got a job in a, a little school in Sidmouth in, in Devon. Uh, so that's how I got into teaching. But I've, I've, done, I've done quite a lot of different things in my life. I've, I've not just stuck with the teaching. Okay, that I'm, sounds I'm intriguing. Quite, well, I'm, I'm, I, I, I irritate my wife sometimes by, by having interest in so many things. And, and, <laughs> and it, it, it's one of those things is, is that I, I, when I was started off in teaching in, in, in Sidmouth... I felt that I 
I was leading a life that was very comfortable, but I, there was there was an element of me saying I want to put something back into society, and so I was a, I became a special constable in the police down there. Oh gosh! So I wow. was okay. I was doing that part time, mm-hmm. uh, which meant some very very late nights, but. Um, I found that very rewarding. I got a, I got a lot out of it. I was seeing a completely different side of life than one sees in a in a, a West Country prep school. And then I decided, with my wife, we 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 decided that actually it's up sticks, and we went to Kenya, and went out to live in Kenya. Okay, this and is we, very different lived, to Southwest England. Yeah, absolutely. We we worked in a in a in a prep school, a rural prep school in Kenya, up country, and were there for a few years which I've found to be quite an influential part of my life, actually. It's mm. from that. You learn an awful lot about the realities of life, the harsh realities. There are, there are things one sees and hears that you would never see here, and mm. uh, it, it teaches you the, the value, the real values of things. And then came back from there and, and um, taught in, in um, a couple of very good schools in the UK, and I got to a point where I decided I, I was, whilst I was still thoroughly enjoying teaching, I was wanting to uh, to explore something else. So I decided to have a break from teaching and I went and qualified as a plumber. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and myself and my brother-in-law ran a plumbing business for a couple of years. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, and that, that went on, on very nicely. But then I, I, you know, I'd never wanted to be out of teaching forever, so I, mm-hmm. I came back to teaching. It was uh, certainly being a plumber was more lucrative, but I ca- came back to teaching, and I came back into teaching as a far better teacher than I left. I felt mm-hmm. um, more, more life experience, more, more, more of that, which make, makes makes it so so important for what one is teaching, how one is teaching. And at the same time, I bought myself a small farm, and so <laughs> so. I now, as well as as well as teaching, I run a small farm in in uh, that's just uh, south of Taunton. In, right, in right. Gosh, I, I wasn't expecting any of these answers, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so, if anybody's ever after a, a Kenyan-speaking farmer with uh, authority skills, and what was the other one, uh, plumbing skills as plumbing. well. Plumbing. Then yeah. you're the person for it. Very, it's, it's a common demand. I mean, there's a lot of people who need that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's bring it back to school for a moment. Tell me about some of the things that happen at QEH beyond the classroom, the general life of school. And actually, it, it sounds like there's a lot of general life going on all around you at the moment, which is lovely to hear. It really is. Yeah, the, the, there is. It's a, it's a it's a busy place. There's always something going on. The classroom is obviously a very important part of it, both work, working on the pastoral side as well as the mm-hmm. academic. But beyond that, we try and offer a wide variety of experiences for the boys. And I say boys because the junior school is, is a boys' school. We don't have girls in the, in the junior school. Mm-hmm. We go, uh, go out of the classroom quite a lot. And the idea being that we can we can stretch the lads. They can they can have a chance to experience things that that test them a little bit, mm-hmm. that um, make them feel that actually I, I'm not used to this, but how can I cope? It's that the idea of the growth mindset, trying to think I can't not I can't do it, but I can't do it yet. Um, the power of, of yet is is something quite significant. Mm-hmm. We run a thing called the QE Award, for example, which is like a, a junior D of E and that involves the boys going out camping and, and learning to navigate and turn, you know using a map and compass uh, ca- camping cooking uh, sort of those sort of things we take them out on exmoor and, and and say right here here's your map can you find your way can you find your way around and find your way from a to b to c so we we um we encourage that we have 
uh, a lot of games we do, uh, okay. cricket, uh, cricket and football, rugby, with an emphasis on enjoyment. The boys have got to enjoy what they're doing. Yes, we want to we want to win. We play to win, but there is a huge amount of significance just in taking part. The uh, sitting down to tea after a game after a game is, in my view, as important as how you've played the game because mm. you sit down with your opponent and you talk to them, and and the differences that you had on the field are left behind. And I think that's something that we are in danger as as a as a, a country, maybe as a world, of forgetting that actually the sport on the field is the competition, and after afterwards it's it's let's get together and, and appreciate each other's qualities so we, we we offer the offer the sport we've got a wide wide selection of clubs after school clubs lunchtime clubs depending on what um what the children are interested in i mean we run things i run run one at the moment called which is called the risk club now risk is is, is a board game that i don't know if you remember back to uh, to childhood um where it's strategy and all sorts and that's that's um, very popular, but it goes from that to kung fu to art to okay. uh, music, and that brings me on to music and drama, which is a very, very important part of, of our school lives. There's a, a very active drama department with with uh, lots of plays being put on. The great thing we find is that the confidence level of the boys and their willingness to to give it a go is really high. Now it's it's you know you have a, a lad standing up and singing. In our talent show, we run a talent show every year where the parents are invited and the boys just show what talents they've got. It doesn't matter what level they're at, it's just giving them a chance to stand up and give it a go. So we've got we've got a wide variety of, of things that go well beyond the classroom. The residential trips, which we're just coming up to now, uh, where we take the boys away again and they go and staying in youth hostels or uh, outdoor pursuit centres. And then there's the trips that, that actually link to what we do in the classroom. There's, there's, I'm taking year six to the livestock market at North Petherton at some point because we, we study food and farming, something that actually is really very near to my heart. I gather. Need to know. <laughs> <laughs> the boys need to know uh, the real significance of food and farming. And, and mm. I take them down to the livestock market, take them to a working farm, uh, not my own. And we have a, we have a, uh, they come away with a, their eyes open, uh, knowing exactly where their food comes from, and what what approach we need as we go forward. So it's it's a, it, there's a lot going on. It sounds like it. It really does. It's, it sounds very impressive as well. But Rob, I'd love to share a little bit more about you with the people that are listening. So if right. you don't mind, I've got a couple of questions. I'm just going to ask you. Cool. Let's imagine that it's Friday night. You're at home and you're on your own, and you're going to put on a movie. What movie do you choose? Oh, that's a great question. Um, right. Do you know that's that's something I would have to uh, have a lot of thought about. Um, it would be something probably rather old. Um, okay. Something probably history based. Something along the lines of the Longest Day or something like that, which oh, is the okay. story of the D-Day invasion. Something mm. like that. Yeah. Did you ever watch Saving Private Ryan? I did. Very very good film. Did you prefer the Longest Day to Private Ryan though? I think The Longest Day has some sentimental value to me because I remember watching it with my parents when I was younger. Uh, mm. As a film, I think the, the longest the longest day isn't nearly as realistic as Saving Private Ryan. I think it's uh, Saving Private Ryan was a, an outstanding film that really brought it home to people what, what, what things were like. So I think that's a fair point. Whether I prefer it or not is another matter. It depends mm. on, on, on what I'm looking for. Okay, so that's you at home on a Friday night. Let's imagine that now that I'm transporting you into your car and you're about to embark on a four-hour journey. You're on your own, 
So do you play the radio or do you listen to music? Do you listen to a podcast maybe? Or do you drive in silence and just enjoy your own thoughts? I listen to podcasts and okay. I uh, download some audiobooks. I like listening to history podcasts and uh, finding out. It's, it's an opportunity. I, I live, as I say, I live south of Taunton, so I have an hour's drive into work every morning and an hour and a half home in the evening. And rather than it being dead time, I use it as a time to try and broaden my own knowledge. So I, I will listen to Dan Snow's history, pod, history podcast. And other than that, I will listen to audiobooks. I've quite a lot to do with, with farming and food and <laughs> right. environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very focused on making sure that on my farm we produce food that is of the highest quality from animals that have had the best quality life they can mm. and environmentally has the least impact that we can. And therefore, there's an awful lot to learn. And I, I make sure that I'm, I'm clued up on that. So that's the sort of thing I would listen to. That sounds very impressive. I'd love one day to see that farm. But uh, maybe I'll have to leave that for another time. Yeah, you, you'd be very welcome. We need to bring this episode to a close in a moment. But if anyone's got any follow-up questions following anything you said, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I think nowadays the, the best one is is to use the, the email. We're at, again, we're, we have a email address of office at qehbristol.co.uk. If you were to use that that email address, you'll, you'll, you'll come through to us. And uh, we'd be very happy to, to talk to you. When we're not in this COVID situation, we are a very open school and welcoming to people just to come and have a look around and come and mm. get the feeling the, the feeling of the school because it's it's that happy cheerful childhood place where innocence is is maintained which is very important well it sounds like it and i'm sure some people will take you up on that offer as well rob thank you so much for your time it's been great talking to you today and it's been really good to hear all about your life in school through your eyes thank you very much for your time that's a pleasure thank you And there we go. A big thank you to Rob Layton for taking the time out to speak to us in what certainly appears to be a busy day in the life of the school. Now, as always, don't forget that you can contact the school if you have any questions. It's qehbristol.co.uk or you can email office at qehbristol.co.uk. Now, if you're listening and you haven't followed this podcast channel yet, then now is the time to do it because it just means that when the next episode is released, you'll receive a small notification just to let you know that it's ready, which means you won't miss it. So go and do that now. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.